Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we are back. Yep. Still here. Very hot here. (laughs) Yes, it is. Suburban Ontario. (laughs) How about you, Adam, in downtown Montreal? It is also quite warm here. Very warm, actually. It's the one thing about supper I don't like is, you know, I like having all the blankets when I sleep, right? But because Mm. it's so hot, you know, I can't get my big fuzzy blue blanket and all that. It just doesn't work. Just have your AC and your your fan on like max. Yeah, but then it's like, hey, Hydro Bill. (laughs) Good point. Good point. I do have a fan, but like, you know, I'm not going to crank the AC down to like 19 and just have Mm. life. It's the struggles of uh, (laughs) having air conditioning. Meanwhile, you know, talk about third world, um, talk about what's, what's the term? Uh, problems. Yeah. Oh man, I can't, I'm not cool enough. I can only just eat freezies all day. Yeah. We, we, uh, we are, we are yeah. blessed. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, guys, hockey, playoffs, disappointment for some teams, strike backs from others, success for others, disappointing performances from goaltenders, suspensions. I just realized we have not recorded since the start of the Montreal series, have we? No, we haven't. Wow, a lot has happened. Wow. We're actually going to get to talk about the Bruins because we could finally watch some of their games now. A war talk is going to be on the dock a little later. I thought we'd actually start with the draft lottery, though. Okay. Because it was super disappointing. The only movement from the original projection was, was Anaheim falling from second to third. And Seattle moving up from third to second. Buffalo won again, and Kevin Adams looked like he—he he, normally like the GMs sort of they hold it in. They they're very professional. Kevin Adams looked like a kid in the candy store. I mean, yeah, you just got they the first that. overall pick. Yeah, <laughs> but like they some need of them some enthusiasm it. in that like, franchise right now. Yeah, um, yeah, they need something going well there. Probably Owen Power is going to be a Buffalo Saber. Good. You know, it would. It's good, by the way. There's no chance he plays in the NHL next year, right? Like, they're going to be patient with that guy, right? Like, especially because they're going to be bad again. Mm-hmm. Even worse, probably when they trade Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt, and hopefully fun, Rasmus are still on. And- fun fact, if he gets sent down or he continues playing in the NCAA, mm-hmm. he'll be the first first overall pick to be sent down or not continue there, like in the NHL right at the beginning, since Eric Johnson in 2006. Really? Yeah, interesting. He hasn't played in forever, by the way, Eric Johnson. Oh no, he's like he's like they're hoping he comes back for the conference finals. Him and Bowen Byram. What's in the what's conference rough finals. about that is I was looking at um, Seattle stuff actually. Speaking of Seattle, and uh, Eric Johnson has a no move. So if they got to convince him to waive that, because it's the difference between possibly losing Graves or losing Devin Taves, and the way he's been playing with Kale McCarr. If I'm Colorado, I'm doing everything I can to try and convince Tyler Johnson to, to waive that. Eric, Eric, clause. 
What did I just say? He said Tyler. Well, Tyler? you want both of them. Both. Uh, yeah, yeah, both Tyler of them. Tyler Johnson. Both. Yeah, they want both of them. Both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if he wins another cup in Tampa, why doesn't he? The just be Johnson like, dilemma. <laughs> exactly. There are you know, there's decent Johnsons in the league, but who's the best? Chris. Chris Johnson. I agree uh, with that. No, that's John Stin, not John Johnson. Stin. <laughs> uh, his, his work on the STP this Close. week was, was pretty good. That's a pretty much listen podcast. Uh, but like, so the NCAA guys have that loophole, right? About yeah. how they can finish their degree, like finish their time in college, your degree, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then they can be free agents. Yeah. I don't want to say we're getting Eric Lindros here, but. Oh my God. Like, when oh is this going to happen? Like, when is, when, because if you're Owen Bauer, are you really in a rush to go to Buffalo? No. No. I mean, no. I, I, I use the example of Rasmus Dallin, where it's like maybe settle down a bit. Or mm. even like, I'm not going to use, I'm going to use a, Another, you know, example further in development before he got injured, Aaron Ekblad, the last two years, he's really established himself as an elite right-hand shot. And I remember when he first came in, everyone was like, oh, he, he was a bust or he wasn't first overall material or at least top three material just because these guys take longer to develop. Mm-hmm. Defensemen are weird, man. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just – I want it for the chaos element, obviously. See what happens, man. Like, just decide your own fate. Go wherever you want to go. Imagine he's like, yeah, I'm not going to play in Buffalo. And now in his first offseason, or uh, was he – I guess he was there last offseason too. But So in his second offseason, Kevin Adams is going to trade Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart, the first overall pick, and Rasmus Ristolainen. And, like, hey, Philly want to rework their blue line. Maybe they reset a bit. I'm just saying, I can see the Eric Lindros trade all over again. <laughs> Maybe, you, I don't know, it goes off the board. I'm seeing so many of these draft projections where they're like the top five is pretty set, but wherever you go, it, it will be like, it's, it's, it's kind of still like a dart, like its own dartboard in the top five or top 10. It's kind a lot of American, so, Americans, though, like because they're the only ones who played, like those double yeah. A guys. I mean, at, they're all in Michigan. the same boat. They can all cheat it if they want. There's a chance. Um, anyway, I guess we can talk about the playoffs now. Yeah. Because what a lame draft lottery. And this was the last <laughs> year you could have a bit of zest in it. Now it's going to be – so I'm guessing now from now on, Buffalo are excluded from getting the first overall pick now. Is that how we're going to go? Is I, Now they're excluded for three years or something? I believe so. Wow. I believe the anti-tanking is sentiment is, is kicking in. Maybe this is finally going to be the start of something for Buffalo. Sorry about us just talking about – your first overall pick walking away, but <laughs> I mean, the discussion is always covering both bases. So exactly. There you go. This was only 30 minutes. At least. What do you mean? Oh, the I know. It's just like usually like the lottery. I know it. There's just a lot of fanfare sometimes with it mm-hmm. where it makes it seem like it's longer or if it's, I guess a bigger deal sometimes, you know, maybe which is a bias, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like this year, just okay. I, it was, it was, it felt like we got it over with, and then now we can move on. It's not like if there's like four Canadian teams and Sportsnet make a whole thing about it, and it's a complete mess. And uh, I hate when they go to the top three, and it's like commercial break. <laughs> it's like a TV timeout with five minutes left in the game. What do you just get it done with? The best was Jim Nil. 
Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. When Dallas yes. and just takes the headphones off, like, all right. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a meme now. I love that. He's great. It's like when the Zoom class ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Jim Literally. Guy. Yeah. All right. Playoffs. We like playoffs. Seattle. Let's do it. Um, we're gonna start. Seattle. I can't wait for some of the projections to come out because uh, expansion is messy. It's really, really messy. Yes. We'll start with a big one. Well, maybe not an excitement levels of, of big game series, but uh, the the playoff series we cared the most about. That's Montreal and Winnipeg, the series of the underdogs. Uh, and I think ESPN had like their projections of this series. I think one person had Montreal winning, and they had them in seven. So, but they are up to. I I doubt it. I don't think it was Greg Rushinsky because well, he just hates the Habs. Eric Angles went against them again. Uh, no, this was it. Wasn't Sportsnet. Okay. I think they've learned their lesson because that's two years in a row they've completely gone against Montreal and they've just slapped them in the face. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Oh, the media. If the Leafs lose in the first round this year, they have to trade one of the big guys. They lose in the first round again. One more year, and if they lose again, they have to – Ridiculous. Sportsnet. I I can't stand it sometimes. Uh, Gary Galley, less is more on color commentary, by the way. I almost muted the game last night because I I couldn't (laughs) listen to the Islanders. It was was brutal. Anyway, the Habs are up 2-0 in the series. They win. You can't draw up a more perfect start to a series for a road team. You know that famous saying, you're only in trouble unless you lose in home ice. Well, the Jets lost their first two home games to the Habs. Lots to unpack here, and I think the first thing we got to mention, Mark Shifley suspended four games for charging Jake Evans in game one. Uh, in my video, I, I addressed I, – I thought it was a completely dirty hit. I thought it was unnecessary. I thought it was it was charging. Regardless if he stopped taking strides, he had all the speed behind him. Uh, your guys' take on the hit itself, and then also what you think of the four games, one of which has been served by now. I'll start here with Alex. Yeah, I thought the hit was unnecessary. I thought, in my opinion, there was the intent to injure, which I think was the main point of the Department of Player Safety video. And that's kind of where I thought the suspension was going to come from. I thought the actual suspension itself for... Honestly, I was surprised they gave him four games, just considering the Department of Player Safety. But I think that was that was the racist. In my opinion, that was the right amount of games. Mm-hmm. Daniel, I don't know. When I saw the fir- the play the first time, I just figured that man, Mark Schreif, like he just let it go, let mm-hmm. the empty net go, like let it go, yeah. and just just keep on going because you know that was only game one. And a, a lot of the times we talk about players, they want we want to see more of the emotion, more of the character kind of things. And I think sometimes like when things are just so closed off, so conservative, so narrow about like the team mentality, I feel like these emotional outbursts just come out of nowhere. And then like, I don't know, this is just one of those moments where it's like, what are you doing of all players? I didn't think Mark Shifley would do that. And I think that was a big surprising thing everyone thought about because he doesn't have a history of this. He's not a young guy, you know, just learning the game or he's had, He's had so many experiences with this. Like he is someone who is probably, you know, when they have like the the one B captain on the team. I think of it's it's Mark Shifley, and for him to be really reckless with that was really disappointing for me as a fan. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I was just you. Br- you brought something up, Daniel, about him not having um, 
him not having the history. And I just want to point out that regardless it, for whatever reason, when someone not named Kadri or Ryan Reeves or Tom Wilson get into something, our first re- a lot of people's first reaction, and sometimes myself as well, is, well, the guy has no history. I'm like, but that's not, no one's talking about that here. Like, that's not the point. The point is, this is the play that happened. And we mm. saw it, like, we saw it happen a lot with Alex Edler. With when the yeah. neon knee with Zach Hyman, and I'm like, guys, like I'm thinking in my head, this isn't the point. The point isn't his history. The, his history will determine the length of suspension, but that doesn't determine the intent of the play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He 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 didn't try and save the goal, and even the player explanation video from player safety, uh, they acknowledge they they said we acknowledge Mark Seifley's explanation to try and prevent a goal. Although the video shows that he clearly did not. Like, they completely called him out on it. I've never seen that from players yeah, safety either. <laughs> that they just very clearly were like, yeah, no, this guy's completely full of it. The fact that, like, a casual fan may not understand just how much this is of, of, of player safety throwing the book at Mark Shifley. Four games in the second round for someone who is not a repeat offender. Um that's for, for, for the NHL, that's unheard of from what I, I can I can think of in recent memory at least. And again, it was completely deserved. Um, whether he meant to concuss him, I, I don't think that. Um, but he wanted to not injure, but he wanted to hurt. Yeah. He wanted to finish that hard check on, on Jake Evans. Um now it's been said like now Jake Evans in that kind of play trying his best to get the wrap around to get the empty netter was expecting to get hit. I don't think you expect a guy to travel nearly 200 feet and have all that momentum going into it too. And even the call on the ice was a charging major. It's ridiculous, man. And um, I, I really hope he didn't travel to Montreal with the team or if he did um, maybe if he's at the game tonight, they show him on the Jumbotron and you just let the Habs fans rip into him. Booze, obviously. Him getting personally attacked in his family is not acceptable, obviously. No. Like, But I, I love how after that press conference, everyone took Mark Shifley's side all of a sudden, including Ron McLean, who spent a majority of his opening thing being like, we love the Shifley family. And it was like, oh yeah, Jake Evans, wish you're okay too. The guy who got <laughs> concussed and stretched off the ice on his and his father's birthday. And yeah, and 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 that's like that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, how? Why is this always? I thought I think bare minimum, like it's not okay to attack a player, like personally or his family, or or like never. I think that yeah, like that's just the bare minimum. That the fact that we have to, every time we talk about it, it it's the major changing point in terms of how we view something is like. Guys, there is the play. Here it is. Either look at it properly or like I, I don't know what what else to say here. Like this is what happened. Like it's not acceptable that um players are being personally attacked and their families. And it's like their history is to us should be irrelevant. Like this is what happened. There's it's very clear. Mm-hmm. First off, by the way, uh, get well soon, Jake Evans. Dom Ducharme did say today that he's feeling better, but there's still no timetable 
to his return. Now in the like in the meantime, uh, Atreya Lekin is drawn back into the lineup. He's healthy now, and he's been taking that top spot. Uh, it's all of a sudden left a giant hole in down the middle for the Jets. Stastny traveled with the team for game three today. He did not play in game two. Obviously, Mark Shifley is not playing. So that had Pierre-Luc Dubois going to the top line. I thought what was really interesting is Kelly Hrudy and um, Cassie Campbell-Pascal were like, yeah, we like what we're seeing from him uh, after the first period. And then Kevin Bieksa, which I have... I've never seen this before on a Sportsnet broadcast said, I just don't agree with you guys and talked about how he didn't like him going to the, like how he wasn't driving to the net enough, creating more offense. And, you know, that's kind of what you expect from Pierre Luc Dubois looking back at his playoff performances in Columbus. Uh, It's a lot to ask for the guy, but you know, that's what they brought him in for. And if the jets, the series is far from over, obviously it's a completely different one. If they win tonight in Montreal, Though, if the, if the Jets have any hope of getting back into this series, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has to be the first, and uh, it has to be the first guy to step up his game. Yeah, I think um, what, what he was brought in to be, uh, you know, to either play the left side or be, another, be a center again, that's something he has to kind of prove right now. Um, crazy how that was such a big story for us is the center depth and how depleted it's become already for the jets at the most crucial time. But I think with Dubois, I didn't know this was a cra- like this stat that he hasn't scored in 22 games. Like he's been a great playmaker, but his last goal was April 5th. And I did not know that. I think that he, the way he's kind of classified as that power forward type of center, this type of guy that, you know, he, he listened, he wanted to get out of Columbus and kind of be, be in a bigger market and be that guy. I think now he has to show it because he's been great as a playmaker, but they need more from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think when they brought in Pierre-Luc Dubois, the idea was for in my eyes, the idea was, okay, well, is Paul Statsny enough in the long run to be a second line center? And my answer was no. So bringing in Pierre-Luc Dubois fit that hole. But what it also does is, in Columbus, Pierre-Luc Dubois was the guy. Like, he was their number one center. And he, and I thought that, especially that playoffs against Toronto and before that, he played really well in that role. So when you're missing Mark Shifley for four games, you expect that Pierre-Luc Dubois can take that next step. And he's not. maybe he's not going to be as effective as Mark Shifley, per se, but he should be able to take that next step in that role, especially playing next to the guys that Mark Shifley plays with. Mm-hmm. Their center depth is just another part of their roster, by the way, that seems to be losing bodies by the period at this point. Like Andrew Kopp took a shot that it hurt him. Uh, Dylan DeMello is going to be out for a couple of days. Apparently after game two, it was about a week. So uh, that's a massive loss on already pretty thin uh, defensive core for the jets. Looking at Montreal though, their defensive core has been the real story. They didn't have a point against the Leafs, I'm pretty sure. But right into game one, Edmonton had a pair of assists. He was at one point working the power play because Gustafson was bad. Um, Jeff Petrie with that wicked slap pass to Nick Suzuki in game one was... And Ben Sherratt, I think, is in serious consideration that... We talk about Con Smythe like candidates. Like right now, I think in Colorado, I'm actually leaning towards Philip Grubauer right now. 
in Montreal, everyone will talk about Carey Price, but the way Ben Chirot is playing, like there's like Duncan Keith when he won the Conn Smythe vibes right now. The minutes he's playing, the, like the play on he made on Kyle Connor in the dying minutes of the first period of game two. I, I think it's taken me a while to really appreciate Ben Chirot's game. Uh, the minute muncher stuff at one point, but he's just... He's really stepped up in the playoffs, and he's making me personally eat a lot of crow for what I said about him in the regular season. I'm very happy to do so because Ben Sherratt is just—he's been Montreal's most important defenseman in these playoffs. He's been incredible, like simply said. Yeah, I mean, he did he still plays with Shea Weber? Is that still yes. a pairing? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And and when when you have a not healthy Shea Weber someone has to step up. Right. And who better than the guy playing next to him? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, and I think that's kind of what's happening here in my eyes. Is this truly Ben Sherratt's revenge? I, I think so. If they, they could really use him right now, you know, when they lost Truba and, and they lost Tyler Myers, you know, Ben Sherratt left at the same time. I think a lot of people, I think that loss went under the window, especially because he only makes $3.5 million too. It's not that flash, but yeah, it's something that you do need in the lineup. Oh, yeah, especially in the play. Like, you talk about, by the way, Mark Shifley. Um, The frustration didn't come out of nowhere in game one. The guy who was pushing him all night was Ben Chirot. He was legit. Everything he was trying to do with Austin Matthews in round one, and, you know, Matthews was laughing it off. Uh, Mark Shifley responded the way he did in game one to Ben Chirot. Not to mention, at the same time, you guys, I forget which Jets player it was. I think it was Matthew Perot, who was, like, getting distracted off the faceoff because Corey Perry was chirping him from the bench. Like, what are you doing there? And that's another thing for Montreal that has been really, really good. Um, the line of Joel Armia, Eric Stahl, and Corey Perry, the, the christened washing machine line, I believe is what they're called now. Like, Dude, like Stahl had those pair of breakaways, and uh, honestly, he was moving at a snail's pace. But <laughs> it's amazing how much pressure these guys are putting on. Like, they are such a weird depth threat scoring line all of a sudden from Montreal. And yeah. I don't know where it came from. No, I think, I think that's what makes is making Montreal s- successful in that I think when you think of the playoffs, you expect this, your big guys to show up. So people say that cancels each other out in terms of the two teams, but it's your depth that will win you playoff rounds per se. In that, like, if they're going, if they're on, that's where you're going to get, that's where you're going to beat the other team in mm-hmm. those situations. You call them the scoring pain in the butt line. Yeah, that's like, if you see those guys coming over the board, you're like, God damn it. Like, they're going to finish their checks. They go hard to the bat. Like, they are legit the last line you want to play against. They're super annoying, like in the best way, obviously. I feel like I know what it's like to be an Islanders fan now, by the way, the way that the Habs are very much playing like them, like patiently waiting for chances and just sitting on the blue line and like game game two felt like six hours. It was the most boring game, like most boring playoff game I've ever watched. 
Like you take the wins, obviously, and they continue to do the model of making their goaltender's life easy up until the last few minutes when Price has off eight shots on and was great. Shout out to his eighth career playoff shutout, by the way. That was pretty sick. Defensive masterclass is coming from Montreal all of a sudden. And I don't think I was expecting this because, again, during the regular season, their defense was getting just – they couldn't play in their own zone. Like, what happened? Like, is this – is this Donald texted me the other day, and he's like, I want to get your opinion on something. I said, okay. It's like, after beating the Leafs, has Mark Bergevin and Dom Ducharme secured their jobs? I'm like, okay, well, like, the the, the reports have been that, that Bergevin has a, an offer on the table, and it's really up to him. And apparently he has one more year anyway, which was like, wait, what? Okay. If obviously, like, if they do the thing, you're like, okay, yeah, obviously, like, people come back, right? I hate to say this, but I think Don Ducharme's actually earned a shot because, like, obviously, you don't lose Joe Bouchard. Like, please don't, like, do, like, pay him all the money. But, like, you got to realize point I made in my video Don Ducharme has, and by the way, the Habs are on their first five game winning streak since 2017. That includes the regular season. I was amazed and at the same time so disappointed uh, to like Tatsley see that. Anyway, though, in these five games, the Habs have never trailed. Just funny, funny fact there. And this whole performance has come off of when Montreal finally got some time to maybe put a system together. Maybe this isn't Ducharme's ideal lineup, though. I you can't deny the fact. And, like, at some point, he has to get credit. Because I don't think Montreal are getting a ton after the Leafs series. Because every time I listen to a breakdown, it, it, it's ridiculous. Like, oh, my God, overtimes and all this kind of close stuff. And then game one against the Jets was like, oh, the Jets are rusty. Game <sighs> two, oh, Shifley. And, like, I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, at what point do you give credit to the team that is winning hockey games? And at some point, if they can beat the Jets at least – how do you justify not giving Ducharme another shot? Like Bergevin at this point, I'm so fed up with the guy because he's a roller coaster. Like the highs and lows are just so weird with Burge. Yeah. But at the same time, like to date, including the Leafs playoff win, it's four series wins since 2012, which is obviously not good enough. Right. But I think Ducharme's earned it. Unless Bouchard's like, I'm going to leave. Then you say, okay, bye. We kind of need this guy more importantly. But I think he's I think. Guys. The analysis, I agree with you. It's just because when Montreal's not getting that credit, I think it's just the whole the flash of things where that was the big story in the North Division was first the Leafs and then it was the Jets and just the way these teams are built, the way they play. And I think now just with Montreal, it's just what you said with the whole highs and lows of things. It was always just a bit of a question mark of what this team is. Like we know they did really well in the offseason. We gave them the Kings of the Offseason Award. And... Now that there's a system there, it's just I think maybe they the the coverage or the credit has to has to catch up to it now. That w- the way they're playing, they, they they could firmly establish now. I think in the last two games with the Jets or even the last few games with the Leafs is just that's what the system is now and it's working. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Uh, shout out to Nick Ehlers for protecting Jake Evans and not yeah. scrum after game one. That was pretty classy. Um, yeah. Former player of Dom Ducharme back in the Halifax days. By the way, there's nothing like any time if we ever, long shot, if we ever get to talk to Nick Ehlers, 
We have to talk to him about his Moosehead days because everyone seems to love that team and like playing for that organization. Um, what was I going to say? I don't even remember. it. Oh, yeah, that's a deal. So underappreciated, undercovered, and never giving credit, but they're surprising people for consecutive years now. There's another Islanders comparison there. All of a sudden, underrated, appreciated defenseman and Jeff Petrie, like Grime Pulak. I don't know. I We'll see how it goes. And the big thing is Montreal are buying into the system. Like, everyone knows their role all of a sudden. Like, everybody knows, like, okay, so this forward has to support the defenseman here. Um, the battles are winning in the neutral zone. All of a sudden, Montreal, like, a defenseman will never jump into the play when that's unnecessary. They're buying into it, guys. Like, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking what I'm seeing going to games three. Tonight. You surprised me, by the way, with that comparison. Which comparison? Uh, like, the, Islanders the Islanders one? Because I was about – I thought you were going to say this looks a lot like 1993 playoffs. Okay. I think. I thought you were going to say yeah. something like People that. People are mentioning 93, and I'm like, okay, like, listen, calm down. Because, like, as lo- like 93 was a weird team, right? Because, like, obviously that was the year Pittsburgh were supposed to win and the Islanders upset them, right? And then, obviously, at the other end, you got Wayne Gretzky. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. But, like, you got to remember, like, it still had Muller and, like, Don Foose that had, like, 100-point seasons then. Tyler Toffoli was the big guy with 28 goals. Like, short season, that's great. But, like, like it would if they did the thing again, it would be that magical. But to get there, they have to beat the Jets. Hellebuck's going to get mad eventually. You don't want that. Nick Ehlers do. You have to then go through one of Vegas or Colorado, and there's a real scenario that the Habs – like, think about it like this. The possibility is alive for Habs-Bruins Cup Final. Or it's the Islanders, and could you imagine how boring that series would be? Montreal Islanders, there'd be no scoring. It'd be Everyone's hilarious. in the neutral zone. It'd just be like one four checker. It, it's ridiculous. Or Tampa Bay, the reigning defending cup champions. Or – Sebastian Ajo, the double agent. I like the magic is there, but like there's a lot to do there. Like we can't, you can't celebrate a cup win and compare yourself to a magical team when you are only six wins into a playoff run and are only halfway through one series against a very high scoring Jets team. Uh, What's Anything. funny is that no, sorry, sorry, Adam. Uh, what we it's pretty funny. In in two minutes, we went from the Habs are not getting the appreciation they deserve, mm-hmm. and we're not giving them enough credit, especially the mass media. And then we <laughs> went from that to comparing them to a cup team. You compare them it. to ninety three, <laughs> and the Habs and the fan base has. But like, listen, anytime you mention ninety three to a Habs fan, it's like magic. I mean, you know, there's two goalies more magic than well. eighty six. Um, I okay, okay, dude. Like, okay, you gotta remember, like, okay, we're not okay, going sorry, into sorry. a ninety. We're not doing a ninety-three okay, deep okay. dive. It's like, like ninety-three. I think you can equate. Like, if Ottawa had won in twenty seventeen, like, like that's a kind of like no one thought they were going to be like. Wall had a bad year, like in ninety-two. It was really weird, right? Okay. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll talk about the Bruins series because we have just not been giving them any attention because of timetable issues. Mm. Uh, the Islanders, we talked about how boring they are. Um, but it just seems to be the same series, Pittsburgh series. They're down 2-1. They go to the Coliseum. The crowd get them into it. And they pull out a win to get the series tied up. Uh, game three, Brad Marchand, overtime winner. No one likes seeing that except Bruins fan. It's, it's disgusting. 
it's such a travesty that if you do what David Krejci did to Matt Barzell, if you cowbell someone, if you if you used your stick yeah. to go after that area of a man, that should be an automatic suspension. Like that, though there are lines you do not cross, Alex, and that is one of them. Um. Yeah. Sorry. Uh. I. I just saw something on Twitter. I don't know if you want to get to it now. Uh, oh, never mind. Never mind. It's fake. It's fake. I. What I was What was the fake tweet? What was the I'm fake not tweet? telling you. I'm not telling you. That's embarrassing. Okay. That's okay. embarrassing. I'm gonna I just did it. Okay. Go ahead. Um. Ask me again. What Boston and New York? Um. How if you if you if you slash a guy in the balls, you should be suspended. Like yeah, David Krejci instead of getting five K, like he just did. Uh, yeah. yeah, probably one game, I'd say. Did, did you see Not when cool. he did it? And then, I don't know, maybe he thought Matt Barzell was uh, selling it, and then he went back to him? I, I like, didn't know. I, saw the, I, I didn't see that. I saw the replay. I did not see that Like, part, he did, though. and he's complaining to the ref, and then, like, he just, like, he went, he kept, he went back to Matt Barzell, who was on the, on the, on the ice, like, just hurt, and then... I don't know what they were saying, but he's they're yelling, and then he just went to the penalty box after. Man, look, listen, the stick was in that area. You knew what you were doing. Yeah. Brad Marchand's your teammate, so it's in the playbook. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Yeah. Varlamov is also kind of weird. Like he's been good, but then there's like the game, like like the Marchand game winner was like, like he, it was a bad goal to let up and. As good as he's been, like there's been a like excluding game four, I'd say the first three games there was always that kind of weird goal that Varlamov would let in. And you're like, man, what's? It was the same in game one with those weird glove saves. Yeah. He says that one weak goal. Like they, they they rally around it, but I'm just like, what are you like? Yeah, he's been good, but he like how really long yucky. do we? Hmm? He got really lucky yesterday though, with the David Pasternak one timer. Oh, that was that was terrible. <laughs> Oh. How did Pasternak <laughs> not get that? Yeah, that wasn't great. Like, that's, wide open. That's the worst miss I've ever seen. Because <laughs> it, it's just like, like it's not like he fired it short side. He hit the far post. Yeah. It, it honestly, and Varlamov was like six feet out at that point. Like it was bad. It was really bad. Like uh, Pasternak is like he'll shake that off. Yeah. But like you're gonna remember that if they lose this series. Man, yeah, that was <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> rough to rough to watch. No, I I just think with this entire series, like one guy, and it's with the Bruins that anytime he does one little thing wrong, they blow it up. It's Tuka Rask, and I think he has yeah. been fantastic with for the Bruins this year. So it looks like he's hurt too, which is he's- the scary part. Yeah, like, I, I, I will never understand just the pure hatred of Tuka Rask in that market. I know. It's, it's, it's so unwarranted. Like, listen, yeah, he didn't win you a cup, but like, you know, well, Brad Marchand kind of lost you that in 20, uh, 2019. Never forget, by the way. I love watching that dang it video. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know what's also I love about this series is um, like if Taylor Hall didn't have a contract extension waiting – before I think after that fight he, he he has one now like who was it Matt Martin he got into uh, a scrap Scott with? Mayfield Scott Mayfield who did who did Matt Martin fight uh, was it Tenardi I think it was Tenardi 
the Battle of the Towers. I, I believe yeah. so. Tanner Tower. Never forget when he was traded for John Scott when they tried to get him out of the Pacific Division because they didn't want him in the All-Star game. <laughs> because the NHL suck. And then Jitten already got done for like breaking the wellness policy like a month later. And it was like, ah, the Coyotes could have jinxed the trade. But no, because the NHL are scumming. Anyway, anything else on Boston, New York? Well, you know, boring series, but it's, it's tight. It's physical. And no one wants the Bruins to win. Well, yeah, but the not. crowds, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's been nice. Just off the charts. It still weirds me out, like, especially when they go to NASA Coliseum. It's like the the, the fact that, like, you know, it, it's a natural sound. There's actual people standing up in the crowd. Mm-hmm. It, it's a weird sight to me. It actually still makes me feel really anxious. Pajot, 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 Pajot. Or they do, like, the, like, hey, Bailey, the Josh Bailey. Ooh. Uh, they are a good crowd in Nassau. They just they don't want that building to go, eh? No. Like, there's the energy there, like the, what's that they're not going like, back to Brooklyn. No, no one wants to. Oh, so lame. Not. What's this thing about the Clippers leaving LA if they lose? By the way, is this a legitimate thing or is this everyone just saying? Oh, it's hurt? just like, it's just that you know those thing where it's like if this doesn't happen, then you know they shouldn't be a team. Example, right? Because. The crazy stat before we move on to more hockey for the Clippers. Yeah. They have never passed the second round ever. Really? Yeah. And like, this is a team that's in recent years has had superstar teams. Like, before awesome. Kawhi and Paul George, they had Chris Paul at his prime. They had Blake Griffin before his legs wore off, but suddenly he found them again in Brooklyn. Uh, they had like John Dre Jordan. They had a great team. And Wait, super did, racist owner. Did it? Yeah. Didn't the last year, did they not just get signed a deal to build a new, like, uh, arena? I don't know. That's it. I remember hearing, I remember hearing it in LA. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, here. Where is their room in LA? I don't know. In uh, the Clippers have received final approval from Inglewood city government to begin construction on their new arena next summer, which I assume might've gotten delayed i don't know shout out to a lebron by the way losing and leaving is that a thing i guess it's no no not no 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 leaving the he court. left like in the Sorry. yeah he left before the game was done <laughs> man watching like you don't do that right like that's a sportsmanship thing um i was watching Stephen a uh Stephen a smith stuff after I'm, I'm on i'm on the bus now i'm on the bus <laughs> you're prepping yourself yeah uh, Stephen A, man, uh, like when he talked about that, like going on about how he left the court and that wasn't cool. I think of the um, back to the last dance. Oh, yeah, the Pistons, um, yeah, and then like the sorry, who 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 did it to LeBron? Oh, no, so who did it to Michael Jordan and the Bulls? And he didn't make the American team. And there was it's the Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah shout out to Isaiah Thomas. Thomas, by the way. He's a weird mention, but if you took through, if you looked at my Instagram, I met him. Yeah, oh, really? Did you yeah, shake your then, hand oh, after cool. a loss? Should I, Huh? Did he shake? Yeah, he shook hand my hand. He's actually a really nice guy. Um, yeah. I got to mention so this is a really random tidbit. Again, we will go back to hockey soon, but one of my favorite players ever was Kurt Thomas, just because he was one of those like defensive role player energy guys, and because of Isaiah Thomas, he was traded from the Knicks to the Phoenix Suns. And this was when I was a huge Sun. Well, I still am a huge Suns fan, but it was like the Steve Nash era. So I had to thank him. I'm like, thank you for making this trade. And at first he did it. He's like, what, what trade? And then he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that trade. Yeah. It's like, oh, you remember that one? <laughs> he's like, that was kind of a bit of a minor one on, on draft day. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Isaiah Thomas. Apparently, a really nice guy. Okay. Uh, I me, but you know, I don't know if it's Michael Jordan. Well, then again, I mean, didn't Michael Jordan have a say in how the last dance was done? So there's probably some, like yeah. how the year he left, there was that whole thing of Scottie Pippen not like like sitting for a shift. And then it's like, well, Scottie's legacy is in question. It's like, what are you doing, man? I'm trying yeah. to bury Scottie Pippen. It's like Mitch Netflix. Marner would never do that to Austin it's like, Matthews. Well, because Mitch Marner it. wouldn't be in the position to exceed. No, we're not gonna go <laughs> it's there. like, uh, it's like Netflix there. trying to create uh, Norris science rivalry. It's like yeah. it's like Netflix like saying something is a Netflix original series when it's very clearly not. It's just some something they own the rights to. <laughs> On the Amazon, uh, the Amazon Leafs doc, it's like John Tavares. Like, yeah, I really wanted to be the first, be on the first line. You know, I know it's a real thing. Like, it's the you know number one, number two, like two first lines. But I, I wanted my name up there. God, the player interviews are gonna suck on that. <laughs> oh well, you know uh, we just didn't get it done. The party line, by the way, on we'll get to the press conferences for the Leafs in a bit. But the party line was, uh, well, we were up three one. We had chances to score and put it away, and we didn't. Everyone said that same thing, and it was like, yeah. oh my god, they were conditioned. God, hockey players suck, and that now it was Shanahan and Dubas too, and it's like, God. Steve Simmons, by the way, like him and Shanahan had a really good back and forth. I thought that was pretty funny. Tampa, Carolina. Scoring was needed early in the series. Tampa got that in game. Sorry, Carolina got that in game four. The only problem is Mirazik turned into Swiss cheese and uh, oh they gosh. didn't stop taking penalties. That Robert was Moore, so yeah, fun, by the way. That was, I thought, man, Tampa are done. And then I realized, no. It's Tampa Bay. How dare you count out the cup champions? And they just ripped apart. And again, Mirazik was not great. Just, we were talking about it before the show, Alex and I. Daniel, do you know why the hell Alex Ndelkovic is not playing right now? I, I think it's because he didn't have a good game three. And they're just doing a back and forth kind of thing right now with it. Well, you sure it was game two, game one? Was it game one or game two? Um, I think he played game one and two. Because I don't know, like he's been solid, but it's the same thing as the Varlamov thing, where it's just he'll be solid, and then you know those really untimely goals that like oh that went in. It oh well yeah no I, uh, to be fair that that goal um, it was the game winner. Where Nadelka, yeah. yeah, this didn't have it covered. I know that. I guess that is fair. But like Mrazek, I know. Like right? since his Detroit days, there's always been questions about. And like when we've been concerned about Carolina's goaltending in the past, it's been rooted with Mrazek and Reimer. Which I'm like, what's even going on with Reimer? By the way, like where is he? Yeah, is I was about to ask you guys answer? about that. Where, uh, where, how, how was he doing? Kind of disappeared. James Reimer. I'm going to quickly check where James Reimer is. But again, I don't think he's played in the playoffs. Yeah, no. I always forget he's not 34 on Carolina, by the way. No. (laughs) It's um, one thing I kind of felt with the game is two things. I think the first thing is when you get four goals on Tampa, you should win. You know what I mean? Like everything else has to hold uh, I, up. I mean, I like don't know about I'm, that though. No, I'm talking about like when you're able to get through that defense, get through Andre Vasilevsky, where I have another point on him as well. Sure. Everything else has to hold up for you to beat them like that, right? Uh, if you can get your offense going like that, and I think the second thing too is when we saw Andre Vasilevsky in the third period, it's like remember in um, X Men: Days of Future Past where. The old Professor X talks to the James McAvoy, younger Professor X. 
Mm-hmm. Where it's like you have to hope again. You have to remember yourself. I think that's what happened to Andre Vasilevsky in the third period. Listen, here's the thing: with is it fair to say that Carolina defense should be able to hold that lead? Yes. Um, at the same time, Carolina have been in penalty trouble. They would say that it is officiating, but you can't put yourself in the position. Like you have to have a clean game because they're like Colorado Tampa Bay with that power play. I think the big thing with Tampa is you can never give them the chance to get back in it. And Carolina did. That's the, and again, it's like, it's, it's Tampa Bay. Like that was the thing against Florida, any other opponent, Florida have a real chance, but against Tampa, when there's any sort of uncertainty, you always bet on them. You never count out the Tampa Bay Lightning. It used to be Crosby. Now he's chopped liver. You never count out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like they're just that, they're that good. Like say what you want about their the whole cap, whatever. But like they are just so beyond the, like they're just so next level. Like if we got to see a, Colorado Tampa Bay final. Oh my goodness. It it would probably be one of like the best finals in modern history because it trade power plays. Literally like it'd be trade like any power play you're probably going to score cuz they're that good and it just be back and forth. And listen, I gave like I think we've talked about Carolina in the past in terms of you know, I think they got came up against Boston two years in a row and couldn't get it done. And it's like, well, let's take a step back here. Like this is Tampa Bay. Like this is a, there's Boston is good, but I think Tampa Bay is a different beast. So to beat Tampa Bay is very difficult, especially now. The way yeah. feeling I get with things is they may be able to repeat like the penguins. Yeah. But like that whole thing we talked about with the West and what's matching, what the matchup would be there. I arguably think that it would be a tougher final, but it's possible for them to repeat. Like I know it's, it's, it's hard to see a Sharks team go to the finals now, but that was a good team, but not a great team in 2016. And then even with the Predators, like 2017, like they, they didn't match up the same way either. But I think if Tampa really does go for it, it will be, what Alex said, like a more interesting, like one of the best finals we might see if it is a Colorado or even if it's a Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? On on that note, we we shouldn't be counting out Vegas because the last two games, uh, Colorado have not been great. Uh, and listen, the big question was always with Colorado: is their goaltending? And well, games three and so not games three and four. Game two, they did squeak out the win, Colorado. Vegas, though, on home soil. Home soil. The fortress, as they call it, for some reason. It's such a bad name. Uh, they dominate Colorado. Uh, score two goals in 45 seconds. But Grubauer in game two and three was since like the way he tracks the puck is really, really like it's it's special. He's a really good goaltender that way. Great game from Max Patrady, by the way. I will acknowledge it. I just wish he had a few more games like that when he was a half is all I will say. Though Philip Grubauer, I will say, has been the most underrated goaltender in these playoffs. I, I, agree. I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. It's that- crazy to think like the Capitals gave him up to get rid of Brooks or picks cap hit. 
<laughs> I forgot that's what happened. Yeah. And then didn't Orpik end up resigning with the Capitals? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Because like I think that was one of the conditions that Colorado will get a second round pick. That fun fact became Cody Clark, the son of Wendell Clark. Forty seventh overall in exchange yeah. for them to take on Orpik's contract with Grubauer. Yeah, he he has been phenomenal, and uh, we we we've talked about it since day one of this podcast. Like that, the issue with Colorado, not that they have many issues to begin with, but the one issue they had was getting a solidified like true, not necessarily a true number one, but someone who can be your one A, and. I think it's taken time, but I think they've found one in Philip Grubauer. And this season, before the playoffs, all regular season, I think he's just been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. This is the point when um, a Vegas fan would cry out, oh, now they're going to get Ryan Reeves back. And I'm like, whatever. Okay. Get another penalty and get Vegas another – I mean, get Colorado another nine-minute power play. Uh, also, yeah, their, their their power play. We mentioned that Colorado's – oh, my. When they score on the power play sometimes, I'm just like, man, like, I just laugh because it's so good. Rantanen, by the way, what's he up to? 17 straight games in the playoffs of a point. Oh. Yes. It's just – you just think to yourself, it's like, man, I mean – the car makes your jaw drop and it's like, oh, there's McKinnon, best in the world. How you doing? And then Radnan's just there. And then Landis Cox just doing his thing. It's like, man, you are so a reminder, no Kadri. So that's why it would be really good having Colorado, Tampa, because like you know Kadri's gonna take a few bat penalties. So like that'll be fun, you know. And then make up calls for Colorado <laughs> the, and that's how it works. The the question is, will he be there? He will. I mean, well, they have to, they obviously they have to get through Vegas, but no, no. I mean, will he be there because he, like, oh yeah, he'll be gone by the end of the again. first period, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just um, has to hold it together for more than two series. So just update CBC just announced it. Uh, federal government has approved a travel exemption for the final two rounds of the uh, playoffs that would allow NHL teams to cross the Canada U.S. border without quarantining. So that means that Winnipeg or Montreal get to play the third round in their own buildings. Correct. That's good. Man, that's really going to suck, by the way, if let's say it's Montreal, Vegas, or Colorado, because obviously Winnipeg's in the West. But imagine seven games going back and forth, Montreal to Colorado. Yeah. That's, or even like the Florida, Colorado. Well, that's going to be a final one. That's always a bit messy. But still, that's going to be not fun. No, I swear to God, if there is a back-to-back in the in the semifinals, I'm gonna lose it because there's there's one today and tomorrow of Montreal and Winnipeg. It's disgusting. There's no place in it. No place. Yeah, so I'm, sick of it. I don't know why they're still doing it. Doesn't oh, make sense just, to me. It's the goddamn the Canucks ruin everything. What they always do. Oh, okay. You know, they were what? sick. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. I don't I think thought, this is a no. Canucks thing, though. I think this is just poor scheduling from the NHL. Like, I, if you go and look, number one, they could have actually started the Canadian playoffs earlier if they wanted to. And also, they really didn't need to do a back-to-back in this. Like, they're, Montreal's playing game three tonight? Yes. Okay, so Colorado and Vegas are playing game four. Yes. So they're a game behind. Well, see. I don't get. I don't get why you needed a back to back. 
By the way, I'll tell you, as someone who is obviously a Habs fan, and also number two team is Colorado, there's nothing quite like these days that they're on the same, they play the same night. It's a great experience. Okay, um, Montreal, Winnipeg, game three. Who's winning? Um, I am going to go with Winnipeg. Daniel? I say Montreal 3-2 in overtime. Overtime? Okay. Uh, I have a feeling the Jets are going to strike tonight. Um, They have to win. They cannot go into the second half of a back-to-back against a grindy Montreal team down 3-0. That can't happen at Winnipeg. And Colorado Vegas, I say, uh, I think Colorado wake up after Jared Bednar just called them out after last game. That was pretty funny. And I say Colorado go up 3-1 tonight. Uh, I think Vegas ties it up tonight uh, to make it 2-2. I think this series is going to be a long one. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I think Vegas wins 3-1 tonight. Okay. Um, we're going to talk some leaf stuff here because locker room clean-out has happened. Uh, and I, I have a feeling we're going to focus on probably five main press conferences. That was Dubis, Shanahan, Matthews, Marner, but there's a bit of sunshine with Morgan Riley's. Um, I think first we should talk about Mitch uh, because what stood apart from Mitch Marner's press conference for me was just his general demeanor he looked he looked mad he was like looking up at the at the ceiling um and i think if there was a player who needed to have a bit of accountability it was him and i don't think he had that i was i was not a fan of that team but i was mad at mitch martyr watching that to be honest i don't think anyone any of the press conferences anyone was really being accountable like of the guys that we mentioned except riley Mm-hmm. With Mitch Marner in particular, it's like, I don't want to hear, this is what I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about social media. Like, we're done. Sorry, Mitch. Like, we're past, I don't care if you had social media on your on your phone or not. Like, this is the second end of the oppressor that you brought this up. And I'm like, I just, I don't care about it anymore. It, I guess it's just assumed for me at this part. Also, it's like, I didn't feel like he was accountable for himself playing not great for seven straight games. Actually, like more like uh, 12 straight games to bring it back to last year's qualifying round. And I didn't feel like he was going to learn a single thing because this is the fifth straight year now that I've heard we're going to learn from this. Like we're past learning when you sign. And I think I brought this up last episode. I said, we're past the point of learning when you sign an $11 million contract, there's no learning. There's no, I want to be the guy or I'm going to be the guy. There is, you are going to perform. You are the guy. Like there's no, you were in this position because they're making that money. Like, that's the reality. Like, you wanted that money? Okay, perform. Like, that's what the that's what my thought process here is. Like, I just didn't get anything from them that, fe- that felt like true accountability. And it felt to me like it was just a repeat of last year's press conference where it's like, well, the chance is this, the chance is that. I don't care. You cannot be unlucky two years in a row. I don't care if your shooting percentage was zero, two percent, or five hundred percent. You either, you like you have to perform. You have to win. 
<laughs> don't don't come crying and say I want to be in this city and then when you don't perform come up with excuses that don't make sense what's, what's interesting I was looking at his playoff numbers his whole career right and yeah it, it all correlates to yeah there's no new playoff goal since he signed his big extension and uh, like you, it you're, it doesn't require you to be Albert Einstein to figure out that it's the pressure, really. Um, and I I compared him to Johnny Yerger the other the other podcast. At this point with Mitch Marner, um, I think he, this is going to sound terrible to say. The guy, the player is great. Like we know that. Um, I want to ask about the power play stuff because apparently there was some report that he, that he was asked about changing positions. He would work the goal line and he shot down the question saying that it, it was a complete lie. And what's weird about all of that is there was no adjustment to the power play until like game seven. That's there's something not right here. There's something completely not right here. Well, I think that's just that that's a pro- byproduct of the entire season. The power play barely working. Um, the lack of adjustments, even in the power play, and like the if, thing with Mitch. Like, I'm if, not saying he's being a diva, but like, you know, no, like if, if that's true, no, I'm sorry, that's in my eyes, that is unacceptable. In like, if if that story is true. It's beyond unacceptable. Mm-hmm. But I, I was listening to Justin uh, Justin Bourne talking about it. I, I don't remember if it was Leaf Sour or if it was Hockey Central. It was Hockey Central. And his thing was, if do you honestly think that if that were to happen, and like, do you, how do you think Keith and Dubis would react to that? Because what he said, I think, like what what Bourne says, like, there's no way that Keith and Dubas just say, sure, Mitch, we'll do whatever you say. Like they don't, they don't come across as those type of guys to me. I want to try and find his ice time for the law for the, for the entire series quickly. Um, Daniel, what do you think of the Marner conference? We kind of left you out here. Oh, no worries. Um, I was just kind of reassessing what you guys are talking about. And the two words that come to my mind has always been damage control is, of course, when it comes to like all these things with hockey, I agree that there are going to tiptoe certain things, especially what has been trending on social media with the power play with Marner's, I guess, quote unquote, commitment or heart he gave to things. And I don't know it was just kind of that kind of in a way I felt that it was what he said was to avoid a lot of like those those quotes that would be shown like everywhere. I think that when he was asked about all the other stuff, he didn't confirm anything. And then just that one thing where he, he just wants to reaffirm what is a very, I guess, natural cliche thing is like, I'm still dedicated to this team. I'm still dedicated to the city. But again, like, I, I don't know. It's just hard to reassess when we talk about the whole mental aspect of things. But at the same time, what Alex said about the contract is you're paid to perform to a certain standard and you have to really show that when the games matter the most. 
And that's that that's my biggest the contract for me is the biggest thing because I heard like Friedman and CJ are saying, you know, and, and don't like the reason I bring those two up is because for me they're like I respect them the most of in the media. And for and their argument is well, you, they're he's 23, 24 years old. You, you can't lose on him now. Like you can't let go of him now. And for me, it's like, but guys, you're missing the big like to me you're missing a part of the picture in that he signed for 11 million dollars Braden point didn't do this the difference between tampa and toronto is that they're got who's making more than 10 million dollars there nobody they all said we're gonna take less because i think every single one of those guys in kucherov in Stamkos and Hedman in point. If they went to the open market, they would have got more than what they did, what they're making now. No questions about it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think it's the contract. It's you can't have four guys or three guys making over ten million dollars, and then when one of them show doesn't show up or two of them doesn't show up and then another one gets injured where everything just crumbles. Here's a big criticism. I'm going to have a Sheldon Keith, by the way. Um, Cause I remember hearing somebody mentioned ice time and I'm like, okay, how bad could it be? Um, I don't get how you continue to ride a player who, Oh my Lord. Game one, 27 minutes. Game two, 22. Game three, 24. 19 in game four. What happened there? 24, game five, 30. 30 minutes in game six? Oh, that was the overtime period. That makes sense. Game seven, 23 minutes. A bit, almost 24 there. At some point, you have to shorten your bench. <laughs> like, I, I, power play. Okay, then, then you make a bit of an exception. But, well, I mean, well, the way it's working, maybe not. Uh, what what's that about? What what are you doing? Why are you? This is the thing of in the playoffs. Um, you almost have to reward the guys who play the right style. Um, and Jason Spezza was one of those guys. I don't know what his average ice time was, but how the hell are you writing a guy for nearly half a game when he's not doing anything for you? And uh, like ultimately, uh, at the end, that is in on Mitch Marner. I'm, I'm, I do not want to defend him one bit. The only thing I would defend Mitch Marner on is him getting personally attacked. Like that is yeah. absolutely no way yeah, he should perform. Yeah. We talked about that all episode. Yeah. Um, but man, what the hell are you doing? Like that's bench management issues with me there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I also think there's a, there's another issue with Toronto. I wanted to run you by you guys here. Sure. Um, and I think it will be the number one because we know after Dubas talked, they're not trading any of the big four. Um, you know, we've we've talked a lot that Freddie Anderson's probably probably gone. Um, Zach Hyman will keep an eye on, though. I feel like there's a crisis of identity in the bottom six now. Maybe and and what I mean by that is it was at the start. Kyle Dubas was pure. Okay, we need to get as much skill as possible, right? Uh, criticized for that. There was the idea that the Leafs were too easy to play against. All right, we got to get the grit and determination. Uh, Spets is not quite that grit style, but you, you know what I mean. Like No one likes playing against Jason Spets, even at this age. Um, Simmons, I don't think you can ever count on Wayne Simmons ever being 100% healthy anymore, by the way, because 
you know, because of the way he's played in his career and his age. Um, Joe Thornton was one of those guys. Um, I think the Leafs have to have a sort of balance as well in their, like find the true identity of what you want in your bottom six. And I've kind of come around to the idea that um, who was on Leafs hour, uh, the guy played for Chicago, uh, good suit, Christopher Steen about trying to find that third line center. Because I think once Tavares got hurt and Felino moved up, I don't think he would have been third line center anyway. But I think on daily faceoff, it was Pierre Engvall. You're like, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, he came into the lineup again. Played and, quite a few minutes. And there. if you look at every other line, and I, I, I you know me, I, I never shut up about having a, a strong third line. I think of Yanni Gord. I think of Lars Eller on Washington. Um I, I, I'm going to try and get up the third line. Jordan for, Stahl on Pittsburgh. Jordan, that's, yeah, exactly. Um, like like a depth player like Jonas Donskoy for Colorado. Like, what is that? I think that's something the Leafs are going to look at too. But then the problem is How? the money is going to be. Mm-hmm. Because if you then maybe shell out for an expensive third line player, well, then you still have to equate the money to re-sign Hyman. Even if the discount's great, you also need that backup goaltender. And you also need, like, Morgan Riley is up next year, and the cap yeah. isn't moving. Yeah, that's, that's so, the, like, I saw CJ, I think he said it on the on SDP, that there were, there's, the Leafs are going to do something bigger. What like... It was all over Instagram yesterday. I don't know how Travis Konechny got put in there, but... Then Friedman said Dubis explored some things in the in during the season, but couldn't get it done because of cap. And I'm like, okay, guys, this is all great, but you're going to like, how are you going to fill a lineup? Like, I, and they're gonna have to take get bargain deals, and it's like, okay, how many of them are going to work out? Two of two of the four in my eyes this year worked out. Jason Spezza, Zach Bogosian worked out. Uh, in in my eyes, theoretically, they should have worked out in Wayne Simmons, which it did at the beginning of the season. After that injury, it was just a crapshoot, unfortunately. And Joe Thornton, where you had him on the first line, and then you were still playing him in the playoffs, where it's like, man, this guy does not look great. Like, he's... It literally looks like there's concrete filled in his skates. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, we, we love Joe. We always will love Joe. But I, I agree. Just, it just, it wasn't there for me. I, I don't know. Like figuring out all these ways that you're gonna have all these wingers somewhere. Um, two things that come to my mind. Um, I was very disappointed in the fact that Ruyan Amirov's first Leafs game that he watched was that game seven. Was yeah. it? Yes, yeah, he, he was, was in, in the, the building. building. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. he moved to Toronto this summer. He's or this spring, I guess. Yeah. There's gonna be that mix, right? It's it's yeah, it, it will be maybe bargain guys on free agency, though. Uh I think you're also you're gonna see what Amirov is. And you never want to guarantee he'll make the lineup, but then uh, probably another young guy that they're gonna definitely try and hope is gonna be a lock. It's, it's gonna be um not Jason, Nick Robertson. Nick Robertson. I'm hoping for that a lot. Like I I like his potential a lot. We've talked about it countless times. Yeah, yeah. Um I just wanna see him healthy. I wanna see him produce. I think he can be an energy guy that could become 
like a pretty solid anchor in the bottom six. Like not 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 to like dissuade the fact that probably he's still gonna need some reps with the Marlies, especially the way he's had these injuries. But I I have high hopes for him. High hopes that he fits in the, the cap like the cap uh, reality of things and just becomes like that dangerous score you could put in the top nine. You know, plus it, you hate to lose the player, but then if Seattle is a reality and um, like, let's be honest, if they have a, if they have, if Seattle have the chance of either getting Travis Dermott or Kerfoot, you probably say it's probably gonna be Kerfoot just because like, no offense to Travis Dermott, but I think what makes Travis Dermott so valuable to the Leafs is he's cheap. He's under control. Yep. He's just a nice guy. Well, like Young. Travis Dermott. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, there's value to the curve. And then again, yeah, you lose him, but you get some of the cap there. Maybe that'll give you a hand. Um, plus, I think any number you may think of a free agent is probably a little less because like everything is just like, you know, look at Mikael Granlund. That's a name I wonder if, if they go back to. Plus, freaking Chris Johnston teasing on the SDP about this player that he thinks the Leafs are interested in and won't name him. God damn it. Like Ellie Friedman all over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else on the conferences? Matt Matthews was yeah. a funny one because it was just, man, he clearly went to the Lamorello Duba school of work in the media. Yeah. That was amazing oh to gosh. watch. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about the Shanahan one because, okay. again, it was just a repeat of last year in my eyes. Like, he's his whole thing was killer instinct killer instinct okay guys what's killer instinct because last year you said toughness and this year this year you said killer instinct and to me they are just the same thing the way he's describing it they are just the same thing it's just another word for it how many cups did brandon shanahan win uh he won three three yeah. Okay, and he was on Detroit for most of that, right? Yeah, all of them were Detroit. All of them. Oh, yeah, he was. He no, no, no. He played a bit in New York. Okay. Because New Jersey, because uh, remember, New Jersey lost him in exchange for Scott Stevens. Yeah, the offer sheet. No, because I'm just thinking. I'm like, okay, who were his teammates for those cup ones? And I'm like, okay, Detroit's. So you're like, oh, okay, all right. So like, Lidstrom, Iserman. Okay, great. Okay, never mind. So like. Don't Luke you, Robitaille. Don't you dare tell me. Remember when Shanahan was like, yeah, everyone's going to take less. I was like, shut up. You played for yeah. Detroit before the salary cap. Get oh, out of here, you Rookie Pavel Datsuki won a cup with. Yeah, yeah. God, I hate Detroit. Um, yeah, Shanahan was, was um, Shanahan's a weird dude. I always forget that he's around. The old Shanahan, old good old Brandon. It's so weird to just because I always get that clip of him like telling David Backus to like f off, and then it's like, oh, now he's a mild mannered businessman. Um, I don't want to ask if the Leafs lose in the first round next year because like that's just too easy a narrative. But you think he regrets anything, Brandon Shanahan, about the Shanna plan itself so far? You think no. there are any regrets about the way the Leafs have built this team right now? Beside the cap, because like whatever, sure. like, whatever they you know the mm. pandemic ruined all that. We can't foresee that happening. Clearly not. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Well, in my eyes, like he didn't really say anything. It. I didn't expect much to come out of it to begin yeah. with. That's why I'm not like I'm upset. But I've talked to people who are much more upset than I am. But again, this is an organization like there's multiple in the NHL who run this way where nothing comes out. 
Like exactly. it's Toronto, Montreal, and the Islanders. I don't hear a single thing come out of either of those organizations. I have a personal story about the Shannon plan. Let's hear it. So I actually was in Hong Kong when uh, they traded Phil Kessel. This was the middle oh, really? of the night there. Yeah. Um, and uh, funny thing, when I was in uh, Asia, a lot of like the social media was blocked. So I uh, had to rely on my sisters to tell me what the 2015 draft, like who was being selected. <laughs> and that's the first time I'm like, what the heck was Boston doing? Because the first thing I'm like, they traded Dougie Hamilton. But uh, at the time... Um, when they talked about like, the Shanna plan, what was going on, you know, Dave Nonis was out when that off season started. And the way, like, I think just, I'm going to talk about my own experience with it is that when they said, you know, there's going to be times of pain that there's gonna be a lot of growing pains here and everything. I was ready. Like I, I dug my feet deep and I said, okay, I'm ready for the five years. I'm ready for like no playoffs for five years. And then when everything kind of culminated, with Marner, with Matthews, with Nylander finally coming up, with Riley establishing himself as a true NHLer, and they get Frederick Anderson um, at the 2016 draft. I just like, oh wow, okay, things just kind of wasn't it like came two together. Years? <laughs> yeah, I was like oh, yeah. two years, okay, because like they made the playoffs in 2017, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I think and... for me like that was just the thing where I'm not saying they rushed anything, but no. it just those expectations where it went from like, we're going to go through a true rebuild with things to, I don't like that playoff narrative coming up again, even though like people applauded them for getting it to six games against the caps. You, you brought up Nylander there and you, Adam, you asked me what I think Shanahan's biggest, if he has any regrets, but I think Dubis might have one. And that is not not signing Nylander earlier on. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the narrative is, well, he should have let him sit. He should have let him sit. But Nylander was willing to take that number before training camp. Yeah, wasn't it like they had the, like it was around the draft, apparently, like that kind of deal was formulated and it was like. No, because he talked to him after the draft. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Du- the whole That's thing so was funny. Dubis was preparing for Tava- to present or whatever to Tavares and then left it too late with Nylander. But I think Dubas's biggest regret, if I had to take a guess, was not signing Nylander earlier because I think that changes quite a bit. It changes what how the fans perceive William Nylander, a little mm-hmm. bit at least. And it also doesn't look like he capitulated at five minutes before the deadline. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I think it happened so early on in his uh, management that, like, it's not like a stain or anything, but it just, I remember it being that narrative, like, that he's just, he doesn't know how to handle the cap or, you know, he's still a novice. He knows how to handle it. He just, he just gave the guys the keys to the kingdom a little early. Like, that's what it was. Like, I, 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 I remember who exactly was saying, it may have been Friedman, but. Like, maybe if the Nylander stuff was handled a little better, there wouldn't have been the pressure to get Marner done as soon as it was, or maybe there – I don't know. But then again, like, the Matthews negotiation, like, that's a fair contract. Everyone knows that. Like, term whatever. But – and then Marner thinking, he's like, I'm – get the coacher out. No, you're not. Um, and again, you know, you forgive yeah. Nylander for that, that saga because he's performing in the playoffs. 
Adam, he didn't even say he was Kucherov. He said he was Matthews. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no, no Yeah, hey there. Is no this going to become the Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter thing where they're like, we don't want to, we, we, we're on a different level. And then later in their careers, they're like, I regret saying this. Um, I, I mean, honestly think so. Watching, I honestly think so. Watching one of the games, you know how there's the, the, the McDavid CIBC commercial? Yeah. And he's like, you know, the crappy photo shoots with his parents and your brother. It's like, man, I don't, I don't care. You have enough money. I've seen your new mansion. Um, and then, like, there's one with Mitch Marner. And, like, I just started laughing. I'm like, man, how much did – I'm like, how much did that – I think I made a joke. I'm like, the money you got paid for that could probably help strengthen the third line. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> like, I was, I was honestly like, man, you don't need any more money. Um, okay. Awards. Here's what's weird. A goalie got nominated for the Calder. Alex Nedeljkovic is there. Jason Robertson is there. And Krill Kaprizov is there. Probably going to be Kaprizov, though you love to see the goalie love. Yes. I think I've mentioned this to you guys before. You know what I love about these selections? What? None of them were first-round picks. I, yeah, you did say that actually one of the, one of our many group chats. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It just it, I think it's great for the game. I think it's great yeah. that you know we everyone said Alex Alexis Lafreniere and he's gonna be great. But I'm just saying like it's uh, kind of amazing that these guys took the extra step. Like I'm not gonna use the Minnesota bias because I've talked so many times about how Kaprizov just reignited enthusiasm in that franchise. But mm-hmm. for me, like Jason Robertson, the way he kind of took up that mantle where he was already getting the games in, but he didn't really have a role with them going to the finals. And then suddenly half their team is injured and right. he just steps up. And I, I really love to see that. And then with Alex and where he's a guy that I think Chris Johnson mentioned it, that he went through a lot too. He was a 2014 draft pick and he was placed on waivers two years ago at, at the end of training camp and the way he's kind of established himself. I know that, He's not really playing right now that, I don't know, Rob Brendamore has something with him right now, but I, I think still a great story. Wasn't he on waivers at the beginning of this year? Oh, I, I don't know. I, 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 might I, have I definitely remember talking about the, disappoint, the disappointment of Alex and Delkovich on this podcast, like within the time we've talked about it, and he's proven us wrong. Uh, Ted Lindsay for the most valuable player. Voted upon by the players. The one that matters, but the media are like, now we have the heart, so the Ted Lindsay doesn't matter. The nominees, the finalists, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, and Austin Matthews. Uh, three pretty good players. I think one of them will win it, obviously, and it should probably be McDavid. I think it's one of those awards where I'm not going to get mad whoever wins. I mean, it, okay, okay. No, no, it should be McDavid. No, McDavid no, had 100 would, points, Daniel. I would be, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> If it's like Sid, it's like no, that this is that's a that's a PR move. That's like a classic old time. It'd be the first time where where Sid Sidney Crosby winning an MVP would just be like no, no. It (laughs) should be Connor. Like not even a question. No, don't don't put that. Hundred points. I mean playoffs like obviously garbage, but talk about that regular season awards. Yeah, yeah. Again, regular season doesn't mean anything except for awards. Yeah, and like who cares? Like, listen, it's like the uh, the Jim Gregory Award. Yeah, nice sentiment, but the I think it's Jeff Merrick says the award for GM of the year is the Stanley Cup. Right. Ooh, ayo. Oh, ayo. <laughs> okay. 
just hit a microwave somehow. Okay, the Selkie Trophy. You guys told me. So Mark Stone is one. Yep. Patrice Bergeron, Pat. Good old Go Pat. Who was, who was who was again? Uh, Alex Barkov. Barkov. He was my pick at the beginning of the year. For some reason, my mic just cut out, so yeah. that's that. Um, yeah, Barkov was my pick at the beginning of the year, but yeah, I like all three players. Um, crazy, this is Purchase Bergeron's 10th consecutive nomination. I love Pat. Good old Pat. Um, yeah, I, I want Pat to win it just because, like, I think if he wins one more, he has the most in history, although it should be, like, Mark Stone is just never – I think I jerked before we started recording. This is the year that he gets the the, the Dowie Norris. Like this will be the year where where Stone finally gets it, even though he deserves it. I think that's everything, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, everyone, do your final Twitter checks. See if you see anything that's noteworthy. Um, there's uh, Canada's my- losing one zero against Finland in the gold medal game. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Sergio Perez for winning. Oh my! There's this video of Toto Wolf, and I'm assuming this is one Lewis. Uh, did he? Did Lewis lock up? Yeah. Like what happened there? Well, I mean, his brakes were on. Uh, they were smoking up, and then he it, goes into the first corner and locks up. No, anyway, not a great. It, but Max crashing, kind of just so basically. In the grand scheme of things for the world title, nothing changed after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing pretty changed. much. Except uh, Bottas is now in sixth. Oh, who Whoa. <laughs> oh, Valtteri is so gone at the end of the year. Sixth. That's embarrassing. Let me double check, I believe. And if the Ferrari had a half-decent car, they would have won today. But, uh, like, Charles literally could not do anything from pole. Wow. Bottas has 47 points. Seven so who's ahead of him? Lando, Sergio, uh, Lewis, Max, and Leclerc. Out of boy, Charles. Charles from yeah, No, of course not. Okay. Thank you. The voice said, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Check out the show's uh, social media, especially the TikTok. We like the TikTok here. Um, check out Alex's blog, Daniel Sir for the Hockey Writers, my stuff for the my YouTube channel. That's really fun, isn't it? Um, Mark Shifley sucks. Beside that, our own social medias as well. The show's Facebook. Always check out the Facebook because no one else does. We forget it exists half the time. When it's like a notification that says, oh, hey, there's two new viewers. You're like, oh, cool. Facebook. Um, YouTube for the visual experience of the show. My playoff beard is looking ever so hey, good. Good. I hate having facial hair. Actually, <laughs> this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, Look like um Alexei Lafreniere with that one. Well, okay. Alexis Lafreniere is a tad shade ginger more than I, I am. I have like the yeah. brownest hair you ever see, but I will, as a wannabe French Canadian, I will take that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bye.